in the rest, swept down, lifting the vessel as though she were a dinghy, and sending the six men and the one woman below staggering and clutching. The gin in it, wanting only a fraction of an inch, rose up and delivered itself into the large man's nose and eyes. He swayed to the right and the left, still clutching the glass, his feet set well enough to enable him to keep his balance. The ship steadied after a few moments, and in the respite the large man spoke. A gin in it, George. There was an audible escape of breath from the other five men. It was one almost of admiration, for this was the fourth drink so ordered and the third so fated. A remarkable man, this large one, who had spoken no word beyond his orders and christened the barman George, apparently, spontaneously, and without regard to facts. The barman took several minutes to serve the drink, and as he passed it over he watched again. This time the large man decided on a different plan of attack. He scooped the glass from George's plump white hand and rushed it to his mouth. His lips opened and the drink disappeared. The glass came back to safety, but before it was really there, another lurch sent the victorious one sprawling. His pleasure at doing the job had made him relax his concentration on keeping a balance. He toppled head foremost, just saved himself from cracking his skull on the floor by a sprawling twist, and landed on all fours close up against the galoshes, which did not move. His self-possession, however, remained. Before he made the slightest effort to rise, he looked upwards into the face beneath the sou'wester, smiled, and said, I'm terribly sorry. It's a bit rough in here. I do hope I've caused no irreparable damage. The attention of the other five occupants was transferred suddenly from the man to the woman. The man on the floor had the advantage over them in that he could see her, and even then he was saying things to himself that would have surprised them. They waited and watched with the curiosity that their common plight allowed them to reveal. They expected her to speak, but in a way they were disappointed. Only the large man on the floor caught her words. Oh no, that's all right. Excellent, he said, smiling gravely and scrambling to his feet. It was difficult to look dignified on all fours, but somehow he contrived it. He even made an effort to bow. It looks as though we're going to be stuck here for the night, doesn't it? A pest, this weather. Yes. The other five men were still unable to hear her words or see her face. They might have seen the face, however, and noticed nothing remarkable. It was the girl's eyes that the large man saw and marvelled at, with a wonderment tinged with something else. He reached his feet safely and planted them against further lurchings. He smiled at her again and turned back towards the bar. Her eyes didn't lift, and she had an excellent excuse as the ship heeled again, terrifyingly. Many a woman would have screamed with ample excuse. She didn't. She tightened her lips, and her face was very pale. Her eyes still possessed the expression the large man had seen and wondered at. Cautiously, he stalked the bar, leaned against it, and favoured George with a smile. Managed it, he said. I knew it could be done. You ought to be an expert on these crossings, George. What chance of getting in tonight? Not much, if you ask me, said a portly, bowler-hatted gentleman who had clung to a small attaché case throughout the trip. The large man had not asked him, but he thanked him for the opinion with a wide smile, before turning to George. Never seen a worse crossing, sir, but old Nick's a marvel, he is. Never knows when he's beat. He'll get us in if he's got half a chance, believe me.
Only too delighted to believe you, said the large man. I can put up with a lot, but to be stuck on this packet for a night in rough weather isn't my idea of a joke. All I want, said the bowler-hatted purveyor of gratuitous information, is to get back to my old girl. She'll be in a proper stew, knowing I'm out here with this storm blowing. That's the worst, he added confidentially, of these women. Worry? Why, they worry themselves grey, and then they worry their lives out, getting dark again. <laughs> exactly, said the large man. He turned from the man with the worrying wife and addressed George. As he spoke, and in fact all the time since he had sprawled against the galoshes, he was imagining that he was looking into a pair of eyes that were very blue. Who is old Nick, George? Him? He's a skipper, sir. One of the old school he is, and none of the tie about it. Ha, ha, said the large man. Instantly.